Faltegudian Podkrela Koralet Mas. A kind sport led in a sport tool. A goal led Benetti. I remember saying to him, this is some trip, Sean Murray. This is unbelievable. <laughs> he says, it's not a trip, Muggsy, it's, it's a tour. And I was like, no, but you know what I mean? He says, no, I don't. Proud there again, D&G. Hoor there again, D&G. Dalsin Cavana. Yeah, to 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 Zealand G anyway, Larry and Galvin anyway. That's the that's the brand name anyway. Delighted to have Kieran McGinney with me today, a fellow that we'd have fierce time for down in Kerry, and I'd have personally great time for. And delighted that you'll be able to boast, Kieran, that you were the first guest of the Coralet Moss, the official start of the, the the podcast. So you'll have that to boast uh, amongst your other accolades down the down the road. Um. So how are I suppose look. I've been doing it for a while, Kieran, and I suppose first of all you couldn't but ask how was the lockdown for you because I'm I couldn't believe myself and I I, I know you're around and obviously I know you're in management a long time, but you gave sixteen if I'm right there sixteen or seventeen years playing with Armagh you went straight into management and you're fourteen or fifteen years solid so you've been the bones of thirty one thirty two years intra county straight so this lockdown is probably the first actually downtime you had from that like did you did you was it was it a shock to the system or did you enjoy it um probably a shock i think since i think the first year with minors was 88 so 88 to now like it's been it's been non-stop going into the seniors at 89 um so yes probably but i didn't really have much of a choice just before lockdown i had to get my shoulder reconstructed as well so it was just the week before uh, we played for mana so it was a big operation for me. So not only was I in lockdown, but I was locked up too. Like I, I really couldn't do anything. Like so, not just being not able to sort of go to training, but not being able to train myself was a, was a massive sort of gun to the system. So um, it was definitely a different different time for me than what I'm used to. Was it was the shoulder and all injury from the Kerry fellas or from the Tyrone fellas, Kieran? I remember two thousand. Or was it he's particularly picked them? He was five years got me within about 10 minutes, but thankfully <laughs> it, 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 was, it wasn't that one. <laughs> oh, and then there's the old, the old arm man, they wouldn't like to tell me it was any use of doing it anyway. So, uh, no, like, you know, I've done the AC joint uh, before, but then just like uh, different knocks and bangs over the years, and then I fell off with the training. So it was just, it was, it was falling to pieces on me. So, um, and it's 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 strange like i suppose family time comes into it and everybody's saying they got more family our time at home and i know it's great to, to know that there's a carry influence in the house with more and i suppose it kind of times that they are my madness a small bit and it gives a bit of balance like but did you feel did you all kind of benefit from that like did everybody kind of yeah, I think around? yeah like um my oldest fella, Cain, um, he's 11 now. Like, he lives with his mum and Yuri, but then like, myself and more have two wee ones. We have um, like Dahi and uh, Leah. Uh, it was funny, I was putting Leah in bed last night, and we were, she was asking me if something was on my, my sleeve, like, and I was saying it was one tribe, one vibe. It was a BGJ top I had. But I was, she was saying, she's part of the team. And I says, yeah, you're part of the McGinney clan. And she pipes up and she goes, and there were rallies too. So uh, she, she definitely has the carried blood in her. But um, I, yeah, it was, it was, like, that was one of the biggest sort of good points of it because it, 
normally I'm between like work and then training and like everything you're sort of coming and going in the house and you're good crack with the kids but you don't always get to sort of sit with them so um you know more would carry most of the can in that sort of area but like uh, it was good it was good crack during the sort of lockdown and with the good weather like you know you're out with them a lot like with walks and around the house there's a dam up beside um uh, close to where we were like and so yeah it was it was good crack with them at that age you know they're, they're good fun like and they're, they're just mad for a wee bit of messing about so um i enjoyed it it is. Do you know the way you talk about commitment and commitment to Arma and commitment to training? And I suppose there is a huge difference in management and playing, right? But the, the wives and the girlfriends, and they're always mentioned the night of an All-Ireland or the night of a, of a big awards night or whatever. But the commitment, like, is absolutely scary, isn't it? Like, it's, it's, it's well, the time that they have to sacrifice themselves. I think there's a, there's, there's a probably even more to it than that. Um, I think probably, and I definitely could put those shades in this category, like people like yourselves and myself have become a wee bit obsessed with the sport. And that affects our character. Like when you become obsessive about anything, like, you know, when you give your time for like, people forget that like, it's not that you just ignore everything around you, but the people who love you the most allow you that space. And sometimes you get, you get lost in, in that like when you're an athlete, and like even in management too. And they have to put up with different character traits that allows you to become that obsessive athlete or person. And I think that's probably the hardest thing about being married to anybody who's like that. Like, you know, you're dealing with the, those traits that come with it, like the, I suppose, the, the depression, like involved with defeat or the, the elation and the, the claps in the back, that like everybody wants to talk to you when you do well, like the next thing, like they're sort of shoved to the side. So, I think that's the hardest thing about sort of being like a, around anybody who's obsessive is those character traits that are, I suppose, a residual of, of, of that type of personality. And uh, there's definitely, you know, like, she, could, she could get us into it for some of the, the stuff she has to put up with me. Like, Jeez, well, I, I get grief now for going out golfing. Um, so I can, I can imagine, I can imagine what you, you get. You know, you just touched on it there, your obsessive side of it, Kieran, right? And I remember. I made my debut in 98 and it was a horror show. It was absolutely horrific. And for a fella that was kind of looking forward to so much and since the young fella was looking forward to representing Kerry and then it was a, a, a shit show basically and it went horrifically wrong, right? And I went down. And even though you're, you're always taught to say the right things, you, you, you lose gracefully, you, if you have a bad day at the office, you say the right things, right? But inside, it took me, oh Christ, I'd say months and months and months to actually deal with that right so that I came out the other side. And I think in the long run, it was probably better. But how would you deal with the the bad days? Like, would it eat you up for months or would you just can't wait to get back again the following year and prove it again? Because that was always the way out, like. Um, it's, to be honest, it probably would be harder for the legs of yourself. It was an expectation carry when you put on that green and gold, you're just going to win something. That expectation wasn't always present in Irma. Um, like in my first debut, like, like people sort of say it was, I think it was 92, but it was actually 89. Um, I, I was still at school. I was just uh, just started my seventh year at school. I didn't get to play a championship until 92, but so I was only a child. I was only 17. But the first game was up against Donegal, like it was in the subs. And then the second game was down in Kerry. And I'll never forget it, like because at that sort of stage, it was, 
we went down in the train and for a 17 year old going down in the train to carry with the supporters it was like you know madness and we stayed in the, in the, the Danny Man in, uh, <laughs> and you know even at that stage it was you know she would go out for a few pints and relax before the game tonight boys you know it was it was that type of yeah. attitude like as this young 17 year old sort of walking and I was going like is, is this is this because it was like it was <laughs> No, you are, but like, you know, October time, and, you know, the Kerry boys were only probably, you know, coming around after the All-Ireland, you know, that was 80, yeah, 89, and, um, you know, and it, was, it was just, it was a weird sort of feeling, I remember sitting on the bench with John Rafferty, and, you know, in this big long orange tracksuit, and I was just sitting there chatting, and I think it was, it was actually Paddy Moe and Joe Kiernan were managers at the time, and like Paddy Moriarty, like his parents originally come from where my wife's uh, brother lives now. Like so, it's, it's all sort of mixed up. But I remember sitting at the bench, and Paddy Moe asked, "There was his right here, and you're coming on." And I had made the mistake of in a challenge game scoring a goal, and the thought that I could play forwards, big mistake. <laughs> but it, like I remember him just saying, "Right here, and you're going on in here." So sort of the corner forward, I just can't remember which Kerry man was had the the, the joy of kicking the. Uh, uh, whatever colour out of me for the uh, 10 or 15 minutes he, he just looked at me and I'm looking at Paddy Moe and he says listen he says if you can't play against these boys you play against nobody McGinney <laughs> on you go like and so it was it was definitely a, a weird introduction but like over the next two years like, I was on and off like and uh, I suppose the physicality was was massive for me at that sort of stage like because I wasn't big or strong enough to be able to deal like in defence with those types. So it was '92, I think, before I actually made my debut at championship. I was one age of was twenty then, like. But was those, it always was it always the dream to play with Armagh here when you were growing up? Like, was was GA the sport? Was was there any other influences? Like when you were a young fella, like was, was who influenced you? Like mostly, what what drove you as a young fella to kind of make it? The thing about it was, I done athletics when I was I was younger. Like I actually was a sprinter, so I was. People used to laugh because I'd say that like I lacked pace, which I, I always find amusing. Like I would have fancied myself against most, like you know, running. Um, I remember Paddy telling um, was it was it Brosnan or was it Jack? Maybe sort of said to him to take him on. Like I could hear from the sideline, you know, he's slow. Oh, <laughs> I used to hear that as well. I used to hear. I used. I used to hear it at the end of my career. It was an awful thing to hear. <laughs> Run him into the ground. <laughs> at that stage, you'd be laying in the map, like hopefully they could run at you. So it was, but um, <laughs> I suppose like, we done athletics. Like both of my parents were, were very much into us doing sport. But like I, um, you know, my dad's from Colville, like just I'd say across McGlen, and my mum's from Mullaban. Like, but uh, we would like they would have taken us all over the country, like you know, doing athletics and things like that. Like I only really got into like football then. I was around ten, and when we moved to Mullaban. And it was a fella called Charlie Grant. Um, you know, I'm still very friendly with, with, with his two sons, like Thomas and Kieran. But um, Charlie just met me going down the road one day, and he says, "Oh, McGinney, he says you're you're Bridget's son." Like, and I go, "Yeah." And he says, "Have you any boots?" And to be honest, I didn't even know if I had any boots. I was whatever it was nine or ten. And he says, "Come on, we have a game." So uh, next thing, what I know was in the back of his orange cortina, like, and we were we were heading to a game, like, and I done nets that day, like, so that sort of got me into the into the game and like, Charlie was always very good to me now. God rest him, he's dead now, but he was always very decent to me, so he was. And uh, in fact, I got never I think it was under fourteens, um, because it was just at the end of my under fourteens I actually moved up to senior, so I did. Um 
like that's you know yourself in small villages like you, know, you, 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 you play yeah like so like I was playing senior like uh, you know when I was fifteen he bought me a pair of boots and you know at that age you think you know you need like a professional somebody bought bought you a pair of boots like you just always talk to me about like a giant sport and and um, just having a, a go with it like it's funny like throughout my career I've been known as this sort of dar sort of this that and the other like a, it's funny, I get more love out of playing football than I did doing anything else. Like the, the, the joy I had because I wasn't walking around with a silly grin on my face, like everybody said, like, right, did he, you know, like, he's not enjoying it. Like, but, you've got a great kick out of, out of, say, Playing for everybody says had this kind of thing that you were door or whatever. And my first experience of you was, I'd say, obviously on the football field, but on a personal level was with the Aussie rules. And I remember yourself and McGrain were there that time. And like we were out in a social night. Now we had a great crack, a right good crack, and an interesting night and all that. But fellas then would say that you were all door and all this. And I was there always thinking in my head, like, how in the name of Christ can they figure you out? From just being on the pitch and not knowing you or not hearing you in the media or because you weren't a huge man to, to to talk in the media or do interviews or anything like that here no i don't like it um i tend to be too opinionated so you know and that's the thing is like and especially as i've got older like i've been very careful to like to like not to make assumptions about people like our headlines based on it like you know so even like myself and yourself remember there was a thing there i forget what it was and I sent you a text and you didn't know who the figure was. It was and you text back and you were ready to go. But I'd be like that too. Like you know, we would have a strong opinion and would say what we think was it's based, I would say, on a, on a love of the game. Like, you know, you're always looking to see what's right, you know, and you believe what, what, like what's central to, to the sport itself. But um, you know, it's funny, like I was chatting to your one your boy one day and we were chatting about that, like that. If you could write a book about all the crack you had away from the pitch, nobody would ever believe you. No, you have to <laughs> because like, I actually met I met there. I, don't, I think you might have been there. It was a weekend in New York, and um, Paulie had asked him to, to visit a place in New York that he knew, like, and he was trying to get me to go with him and stuff with us here. Like, and like, um, there was more crack me trying to get away from your fella than there was actually. In the, <laughs> in the Jesus, that was you were no, trying to get you were trying to get hold of him on the pitch, and you were trying to get away from him socially. <laughs> So it was uh we ended up having a bit of a blast that night. Like we've had a few since, like we, we went over to Chicago for like a, a weekend together too, like to a friend of ours now, Buckley too. Like and you know, um like some of the stuff that you can write about over the years, like in the holidays, you know, like that that's what makes the GEA something like different. Like it's yeah. stuff that the papers can't and probably should never write about, like is is those sort of you know, those trips away with people that you played with and like you know, played against. And you know, so um you went to America a good few times, Kieran. You played over there as well, didn't you? Yeah, well, like I suppose that was one of the, you know, whether you call it the upsides or downsides of, of our man not doing well, like in the early 90s. Like I played in Boston, made a lot of good friends there, and same in Chicago. It's funny, like in Chicago in 95, I ended up with myself and, and Anthony Toll was over. Uh, but uh, you want me to be a real good mate of mine, like, but we ended up playing with Roy and Didi O'Reilly. Little did I know, like, um, I'd be knocking at the door looking to marry their sister, you know, or the guy would have like, uh, so it's funny that the people you sort of meet, like, uh, and, and the circles that it completes. Um, it's some good summers, like, but uh, somebody once told me, like, it's always a bad sign when you're playing, like, a lot of football in America, it means that they're winning very little. 
I know I was going to say Crossmere didn't dominate and still dominate Armagh football, but you won your county championship above there and you won your Ulster club above there. Now it's always hard to go on and we did the same at our club and we never crossed the line and um, it's very hard to win an All Ireland club, right? But you had the county championship and you had the Ulster. That meant a lot to you as well, obviously, didn't it? Yeah, like Mullivan, I was very lucky going up. Like um, the group of boys that I played with, um, we did you know did well. Like we were underage championships, like you know, and like won them under fourteens and minors and under twenty ones, and like we came right through like division four, three, two, and one, like in junior and intermediate, like in senior, one of Ulster. Like the, the cross boys would be laughing at me now, but we used to slag them like the. We won that Ulster in '95. Like we beat Cross on the way to it. Like and uh, like we'd come from a very small club. Like we wouldn't be in that league at all. But it was a tremendous achievement for for our club. And like the following year, we played Cross and they, they beat us now in a very we'll call it a a very close contact game. So we would like a, and they went on to win the All Ireland that year. So they did. <laughs> and then the following year, we played them in a county final and it was seven six. They beat us. And they went on to win it again. Like, but I always, I always slag Ashen that like that they were lucky that I was taking free kicks that day. Like that, like, that there wasn't anybody good <laughs> to be able to take them. <laughs> but you know, it was just like, they, 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 they turned into a machine after that. Like, and uh, you know, like a, a huge admiration for what they've done um, and how they go about their business. Like, it's um, you know, they train hard, like they work hard. You know. Good teams don't become great teams by messing about, like a, you know, in fairness to them, that, that they're, um, they're probably, you know, like a role model for anybody who wants to, what do you call it, succeed at anything. Like, you know, you put the team first, like, you know, and that's what the, the cause would do. Like, it, like, it's always like the, you know, the jersey first and then the individual second. But so, yeah, it, was, it meant a lot to me that time. And it was, it was, it was a great time, like, you know. I had a lot of close friends in that team and you know we, I remember going over to play the quarter final in London and um we got fogged in and we had to stay at the airport and needless to say it ended up in a sing song in the airport and we had to go back to like a hotel and the only thing I can remember was the beer that had this sheep on it like it, it, it was um it ran out of it and we ended up in the nightclub it's just one of those you, know, you couldn't write it to the stories um, it was just a brilliant time for our club, like just everybody sort of like, you know, put in together. Like, and uh, we ended up staying a night that we weren't supposed to stay, and just a lot of good memories. A lot of people don't, um, a lot of people don't get the chance, obviously, uh, to win an All Ireland. Obviously, is one to captain a winning team is two, but to bring it back into your own club then afterwards. Kieran, like I can imagine it, it is like it's is it like the old fellas and the old generation the lads that actually brought you up meeting those fellas after what you've achieved it must be I've never gone through it now but speaking to Canada and party they always speak about it that was yeah. one of the b- biggest joys they got it was like it was lovely to go back to Mulibana but at that stage like I was living in Dublin like and, you know and, yeah and stuff like that like it was probably a few you know People weren't overly happy with me, like, but um, coming back to Armagh with that, like, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, you, you can't experience uh, what others see in it. And I remember one particular story with my dad, like, we, we, we played with the Aussie Rules that October, and dad had been pushing me to come up to Drum B, like, where he was, like, this was a big night, but he wanted me to take the, the, the cup to a, like a friend of his, like, a, an older man, like, and, uh, you know, like, 
you know me like I was there going at this to do and at that to do like and you know like it was about football like and you know you know obviously like you know you wanted to do what your dad wanted you to do so I got up and remember calling to your man's house and I got, and I came in and you fellow must have been his late 80s I just can't remember who it was but like he was in tears he just thought he'd never see it in his life and um I suppose it was that moment you realised what it meant to people, you know, like and like sort of that generation who would have followed the football probably a whole lifetime, and like in Kerry, you're so used to it, but in Armagh we weren't. So to experience like what it was like for a first, and like you know, it's our only one since. Like, but um, it was only moments like that when you did something for somebody uh, that you realised what it meant like when you stepped outside of that bubble of, of, of being a player and uh yeah it was it was a special time there's no point in seeing anything different like it. i'll come back again you played sigerson you won the sigerson was it with queens you were kieran yeah. was it yeah and yeah i, I remember somebody saying on a train and i don't know if it was going to dublin or coming down from dublin that you're qualified as a civil engineer and some press says there's nothing civil about that man and that was about <laughs> on the pitch on the pitch obviously but Sigerson, like I've, I've, and it's only I, I went to Mary I, and they didn't have a huge tradition of Sigerson, right? But Sigerson football, and I watched it closely, and I've been involved in the last few years. The standard of football in Sigerson is the closest thing you'll get to inter-county and the best preparations you can have for it, right? And before I ask about your own experience in Sigerson, like, do you do you think the GA, and obviously I can see where inter-county and Sigerson is overlapping, and I understand why inter-county fellas need their players, right? And I think the GA are actually putting them in a position where it can't actually work. And Sigerson as a competition is dying as a result. And I'm saying it's a pity like, it's an actual pity because you have fellas that won't uh, go up to the Hogan stand lifting a cup or won't compete in all Ireland semi-final, but they can compete with a Kieran McGinney. They can compete with a Sean Shea. They can play with the players and learn off the players. Um, do you think the GA should actually fucking give it a fucking window of its own and let them at it? Like, I, I was lucky at that time again. Like, um, we've lucky throughout my career. Like, nearly every team I've played for, we've been able to like, achieve something. Like, and yeah. that the Queen's team, like myself and Anthony Toll, went into the same class. It was myself, Anthony Callagher, and Paul Bruce. I think it was just originally in that, <coughs> and um, that's where myself and Anthony become good mates. But like, we, we played for the Sigerson team like in our first year, and which isn't loud now. But like, um, we we ended up getting beat by. Galway in the final. Like we had like a serious team then. We had James McCartan, um, uh, Connor probably Joe Bradley too, but like Sigerson Cobble didn't really suit Joe. Uh, <laughs> was, uh, <laughs> he was he was a soft touch. But it was it was a fantastic team, like you know, really. But then we come up against a real good Galway team, like Sean Oak the Poir, like and uh, Tomasman, like really like solid players, like and, they beat us in the, in the final that day, but we came back the following year, like um, we beat some areas in the final. We walked it that year, so we did. But we were very, very strong, like you know, Mars and McGuin was in there too. Like, and we were just like it, it was a really good time like, for Queens. And Desi Ryan had been a manager in the first year, you know, an excellent coach, and then um, Dermot Dillon, our man, was coaching second year. So it was good times. But the thing about Sigerson at that time it was smaller. There wasn't that many teams in it. So it was an easier window to play, like, and then the, the problem with the GA at the minute is everything's important, Thomas. You know, it, it's like, it doesn't matter, like, we've only about 12 or 13 games on average 
for club and then like or sorry for county and then we have about you know 15 to 17 for like um county like so there's 30 weekends but we can't fit it into 52 like and <laughs> you're asking me about like cigars and everything else like it's it's hard to say because everything's important and we all want to do it at the one time. And I don't think we're ever going to get it because people say something is important, but like, it's like, it's like, you know, those companies like that have all these strong values and they put them on the wall <clears throat> and they talk about it a lot, but they do something completely different. But we're like that in the G, we say something's important. Like we could play 14 league games at inter-county level. Like we could cut away the World Cup and the Mechanic Cup. We could go home and away from January to the end of March. We still fit it all in. We, we play five Mechanic Cup games anyway, so another two for a league game. You can play home and away, you get more crowds going, you know, finish and still play the bank holiday weekend in August for the All-Ireland Final. Start club in July and, and let it go through. But the reality is we don't want to do that. We don't want to separate the two. Like we're not giving both, we're not giving either a chance. Say we talk about both being important. We go back to sort of saying, "Oh, tradition to play this," but the relation should be to give our people games. That should be our tradition. And why we have to what we call it try and you know play the two most important things, which is club and county, at the same time, is beyond me. Like <clears throat> people say, "Oh, well, club deserves to play through the summer." I'd rather the club play through the summer and then the county play during the winter. The fees we have now and lights and stuff. There's no reason why you can't do two. Yeah, small overlap, but. You know, we talk about them being important, but I think it's. I, just think I, it's... I was talking to a, actually a buddy of yours yesterday, um, and he was saying, and it, it isn't a kind of a slant at club players, but he, he made the point that uh, not all club players can be a county player, but all county players are club players, right? And he said sometimes it's easier to blame the inter county player. Like the intercounty is seen as a kind of problem, and that they get whatever they want. But a lot of the time, and I know there's a counterbalance to it. Do you think that's fair? Like that the county fellas are are, are like I can, I can right now, Kieran, right? And I I'm not even going to go into it. I'm not even going to go into what Armagh are doing now, right? But if I was a manager now, and you have an All Ireland Championship coming down, and you take it so serious, and you're living for it, and you're going through it constantly, and you're with these fellas. You'd have to be training now, like, like it is. I, I don't. I look. I don't want it to go down. Uh, you for say something crazy, no. But like, no, it's a county fellas should be. The clubs are open today. The clubs are allowed to go training today, and the pitches are open today, and should like I've no doubt that the, the clubs are going to go training, and they'll be lucky to see their county fellas once a week from here on in, right? And I think that's fair enough. I actually think that's fair enough because you have the same window, three months, twelve months. It's the same issue. The county lads, I feel, if they're given the commitment, if they want to get what they're what they're going to get, will be, um, they'll they'll have to train like they'll have to be together to achieve what they they want. Look, it's it's always hard because you know you can be taken out of context and, and all of these sort of things, but that's why I think that there could be a separation. It's not to sort of say that like um, in my experience, all great county players are great club players. They give their heart and soul. You, you can't turn heart and soul off. Yeah. It's in your yeah. isn't it? You know, like, I know there's some players who might be a wee bit sort of <clears throat> arrogant and stuff like that there. And when they're back there, they don't go, they might go away in hollows and stuff like that. The majority of my experience dealing with players, whether, you know, in Kildare and Armagh, like my best players give their heart and soul regardless. And it was the same when I played. You know, like, like, 
I've never like seen a fella who could turn it on and off. Like he either gave it or, or he didn't. And um, you know, I, I just think that there's too much made. And, and I can tell you this here, like I hear all the time about what county managers do, county managers do. If it was such a great job, like I, I, you wonder why only people only stay in it for 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 a while. Like, but you don't have the say, and it's a constant fight. And if you're asking one of the best things about the lockdown was like Maura said that I seem more at ease with myself for those eight or nine weeks because you're not battling the shit that you have to listen to on a 24-hour basis. You know what I mean? Like it's, um, it's, it's amazing the amount of people who make assumptions and what do you call it? Like it's just, it would drive you nuts. So it would, but you know, you have a lot of good people out there too. Like, and, you know, like they're the people you're always trying to sort of like talk to and have time for because like, you know, for nearly every, what do you call it, like, you know, good supporter, you'll have 10 people who never show up, but they'll all have an opinion, like, and <clears throat> I do believe... They're in every county, Kieran. They're in oh. every county. I know a party made a famous comment or whatever, but they're actually in every county. They're in every club, like, you know, and I know they mean well, but it's just fucking okay, really hard to take. Most of them don't even go to the games. I, I don't mind sitting with Alan Tomas, like, and him having an opinion. Like, it's good, like, you know, my own mother and father would be like that, like, the, the, to go to every game, like, and they say things I wouldn't agree with, but they deserve their opinion. You know, their, their opinion is, is, is you know, they, they go to it, they support it, they, you know, they give money towards it. Like, like, I love sitting with people like that. Like, you know, you have John Lennon up here, be a good sponsor as well. Like, you know, me and John would have some Barneys on, on a Monday morning, like, you ring me up and go, we have McGinney, you stupid. But like, oh, look, what happened there? Like, I enjoy that sort of, like, Pat Mangan was the same in Kildare. Like, men that give their heart and soul, like, you know, and go to every game and get behind every ball. I have no issue with those fellas, like, or, or women, like, you know, none whatsoever. Like, it's the, the is it true that you, is it true you surround yourself? And I don't you know, I heard this of a lad. Is it true you surround yourself with fellas that will actually argue with you, that will actually take you up on what you're doing, that, that don't lie down with you, that, actually question what you're about. Yep. And then, if you want to come to one of our team meetings, you can see that because um, like it's like, you know, you have, have Jim McCarry there and have, uh, like, you know, John Toll and Paddy McKee or Dennis Hollywood, like, but, you know, like some of our team meetings, you know, like you'll have, like, you know, you'll always have 10 or 11 that can, you know, they'll slide into the place, but there's always a, and especially the way the game has went, like in, you know, in terms of tactical things, what people can play, but you'd win thinking, right, then this, take this, we're going to, you know, we've been on about it all week, so team selection here should take about, you know, half an hour, three and a half hours later, you're coming out, like the sweat's coming ready, and you're ready to take it. And just before you leave, you know, Paddy will come back, hey, here, just, just one more thing there before we go, like, I'm, I'm not too sure about this. <laughs> and then, like, like, me and Paddy could go at it, like, you know, hammering tongues, I was seeing it, Grimley, Aidan O'Rourke, you know, like really good football people. But if you don't have people like that around you, that like the question stuff, like sure you as well, they're sitting on your own. Like, I have to laugh when people think that, that you know, that I like get my own way. Like, and yes, I'm, I'm very strong-willed and very opinionated. But the people I have, like even our S and C coach Judy Davis, like you know, because uh, I'd be interested, like, and obviously in the fitness side of things, like you know, we'd have some real barneys about it, like you know, but. That, that's what you want. Like, you know, you need people who know what they're at. You need people who are strong, strong-willed and, and do their homework because when you sort of sit down like, and you come to opinion, like, as a manager, it's not my job to make decisions. It's my job to try and make the right decisions. And the only way you can make the right decisions is by having all the information. 
you know, at, at your fingertips and with the people that you have. And if they're not going to stand up and say what they actually think, you're not going to have that information. Yeah, I remember. I remember 1998, it was picked against Cork and it was huge at that time. Kerry were All-Ireland champions in 97 and they were um, going out against Cork in Killarney the following year and it was knockout that time. And uh, just like that, just you saying, you know, the selection meetings, there obviously parties inside with the lads and we were in the car waiting, myself, Jack Carter and Darrell Canada, and he had us waiting inside in the car two and a half hours long. And I was, I knew I was either in or out and he said on the way back, he waited a good fucking 20 minutes on the way back in the car and he says, you're in. He says, I had, to, I had to argue for an hour. He says, please don't let me down on Sunday. <laughs> I said, I left him down with a fucking bang on Sunday. How did you end up, Kieran, with, with, because I went to, to Nemo and every fella has a different story. How did you end up with Nafina? Because you had, you had great years with them and you said the importance of a club player and putting it in with, and you were a great club player, the top club player in Dublin for a good number of years. You put it in with Nafina, but how did you end up there? That's a couple, it's a, it is a long story, and again, um, you know, it's, it's always hard to go through it because you're fighting against this thing, like if, um, whether it's the Sheiks in Kildare or like, I don't know who Nafina had, like, you know, with all the, the, the textbooks, but you hear this, but the reality is, is oft times not really as exciting as people would like you to believe. Like Mullaban were going well at the time, but I was down in Dublin and I just started a new job in the Sports Council. And so I, I was traveling home three nights a week. And at that time, there was no motorway. I'm going to begin to sound like me old boy here, like I'm you know, talking about the days I used to pull the bales of hay back up. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was a long journey. Like I used to leave work at a quarter to four, and I'd get into Lurgan when Brian McLennan was managing, like at a quarter to eight. And this is probably why I, I struggle sometimes with people talk about like you know commitment and, and things like that there. So like, because we were going through, you'd leave Fitzwilliam Square, and you'd have to get out. And then by the time you got the swords, it was the like jammers, and then you're going up by Drahada to so you were, and then like you know you were going through the dock as well, like you know like there was a sort of slip road there, and then you were going up to Lurgan. That's where we were training. Brian had us training in the Clanny Gale pitch, and if you're late with Brian, you had 16 wits of the, the pitch to do. And I remember one time like I was late, and I was I was like a devil like I was going like I had to sit in traffic like a, and Brian just goes well maybe you should have just left five minutes earlier here you know that was <laughs> <laughs> but then um, so I was doing that and then I was traveling up and down the road twice from Mullaban as well so it was like I was up and down the road five nights a week out of the seven like in Dublin and just like at that particular time Mullaban was sort of coming off like you know doing well and, and um you know, like fellas had different things. We were after giving two or three years of really strong commitment. And it was just getting sort of too much. And like when you were getting home and, you know, like, like a lot of the fellas weren't able to get to training. So it, it just seemed like it was just a constant barrage of up and down the road. So like, I just wanted to live in Dublin for a while. So I talked to Peter about it at the time, Peter McDonald, and <clears throat> like he understood where I was coming from. And, you know, that like it was hard to give like commitment to both. So... That's funny, I bumped into Desi in, um, in Coppers one night, where else? And um, yeah. sitting at the edge of the bar, he was chatting to Cahill, like, and um, I was chatting with him. I'd marked him a couple of times, but I knew when he was talking, he didn't know who I was, like, you know, like, but uh, he was just looking at me going, like, you know, Desi's time, he was probably going, like, did, did, I, did I run into this fellow sometime before? Like, and so we just had a chat, and, we were, and he, was saying, like, he was just asking where I was training and stuff, and he was telling him, like, no, really train down here, like, a friend of my, uh, Dennis McKay, um, sort of helped me out with sort of gym place, and 
somewhere to run like but so we said just to come down to Nafina and so they wanted to go training and just ended up going with them like and um just went on a bit of an odyssey then like Nafina hadn't won anything in a while like and I know just at the time people were saying I was mad going to Nafina and they were telling me all sorts of stuff like but um I'd, I had great years at the Fena, really, really enjoyed my time there. Like a great bunch of fellas, like you know, Pillar Carpenter was manager, but we went on a run that year, like and won the county final, got the whole way, went to the Ireland final and ended up playing the Armagh Champions Cross McGlen. I continued to play the National League for Armagh at the time. The whole way through So then like so I like and at that time obviously like you know, we were playing before Christmas and Pillar and them were, you know, thinking like I, I shouldn't be playing like you know for and like we were doing well. Like and I was saying, no, that, that wasn't the stop. Like so, um, in fact, we played Cork four days before we played. I think four or five days before we played Cross in the All Ireland Club when I was playing against. Uh, we were playing Cork and Cross McGlen, so I was out in the pitch and like and the four or five Cross boys were watching. Like you know, and like uh, you were playing and they weren't playing. Yeah, but um, but that's. They'll probably argue that's why Cross won and I did why he didn't. Um, but it, was, it was really good times for us. Like, uh, I really enjoyed the time. Like, you know, when you're a young fella, like, and you're living in Dublin and um, you're, you're trying to sort of like enjoy the life too. Like, a really good bunch of fellas, like, really good fun. Like, um, you know, you had the Foley's there, Pat McCarthy, like, Des Macken was down with me as well. Like, and McGalvin and Charlotte, uh, Sean Ford, Desi. Like, and just I, I could tell you stories. And <laughs> the dubs, the dubs have a great way of net. Uh, good crack, like. But like, just some of the things you couldn't say like, because people, first of all, they wouldn't believe that I'd probably be <laughs> doing it. But it, it, it would sound bad, but it wasn't. It was just good times. Carl Donnelly too, like my basketball player there. Like, and uh, after some of the crack we had, like after games, it was just you know it was brilliant. It was really good times. Like that's what I'm saying. Like I was, I was so lucky with the teams I played with, with Mullaban and Fianna, like not just winning with them, but, but the characters like that was there, like they were yeah. good people, good people. You bought into it. What was I going to say? Going back to, to Armagh, and I know the, how important and how huge the Ulster's, it's my favourite provincial championship is the Ulster Championship. And every time, I sometimes I'd argue against the provincials, but that's the one shining light constantly, right? When DG and he were dominant in the noughties, right? But when... Before, obviously, this, I'd say in the in late night, when did it, did it corner turn that you could say, hang on, no, we should be thinking more than Ulster here. We should be thinking fucking bigger. It probably goes back a, a good bit further like for me. Like I, I always wanted to play Pharma and I always believed that we would win. And I know that's easy to say after, but I, I did genuinely believe that. But like I remember chatting, it was to Jim McConnell and Martin McQuillan, like I remember just talking about it, like and at that stage, like, you know, we hadn't won in Ulster in a good while, and they were sort of seeing the focus more on that, but the whole idea of winning All-Ireland really took, as a team, I would say it was after the 92 minor final, um, and got beat by Meade, but I had come home from Boston just before that, and Brother Ennis, who was my minor manager, said, like, you know, that that I'm a minor team where you know Ireland finally says we're, we're just playing a bit of a game and we're trying to get like a, a bit of um you know we bit of physicality against them like they were playing me that he asked to go up to a challenge game when I came back he says yeah no problem so myself and a few of that team like Damien Harris Gemma Valley like um just went up and we, we played this minor team we're playing in the All Ireland final 
And Brother Ennis came over to me before the start, and he says, "Now you're picking up a young fellow, David Morrison there." And he says, "Like, you know, I want you to take it easy, and he's, you know, he'll be our star player." Like, and, you know, just he says, I "Don't want you, you know, lacing into him." Like, not that I would do that, as you know, Tom Ross. Like, but <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to go. So we played this game, and I couldn't catch him, but he was unreal. And not only was he unreal, he was built like an absolute tank, because yeah. he was just I was going, I mean, like this man is unreal. Like, and McGrain was in midfield, like. And, you just you could tell that these players were they weren't laying down, and we went to the All Ireland final like in the beat. But I went up to the regional team hotel afterwards and met them at the bar. And I remember sitting with McGrain and Dermot and McNulty's um, were, were playing down the two. Justin was a sub, like and his twin Paul was playing. But we started chatting about like just about Armagh, like and wanting to win. And they're just after beat, getting beaten in the All Ireland final, so they talked about winning All Ireland finals, like about setting that record straight. And I arranged to meet them then, that was the Sunday. I arranged to meet them, I think it was the following night or the, the night after in the bot. And we had a good we had a good few oranges there in the Botanic Inn, so we did. And I'd talk like, uh, you know, because we're, we're serious athletes, we wouldn't take any of that beer. And uh, <laughs> I know. So we had a good chat. But people, people actually believe that. People believe you were on quite that you didn't really socialize. <laughs> you were worse than any of us. <laughs> so when we had that, like then myself and McGrain, like you know, like, would be would be sort of like similar fellas, like but we chatting about how important Mars Mars was still a seventh year, like he was still doing his A levels, like how important he'd be for this year. So we got we got into a car the next night and we went down to his house down in Lurgan, and I remember knocking at the door and his dad was there in Marsalik and um, just sort of saying, "Do you mind if we take the out for a pint?" You know, and so. <laughs> So we took him out and we started chatting about it and it sort of came from there. Like, and, you know, like we hung about with each other the whole time. Like we played football together in America and we socialised. Like you, you know what it's like. Like it's that's what makes a team is the connections. And over the next four years, like we like we were like talked about it. But we had to take people with us, and it's not that easy to. I think that's something that people in Kerry and Dublin like don't understand. Like the, the culture and the environment that you grow up in is different. There's an expectation there. There's a, there's a want and a desire. There's people queuing up to play for you, and like, that doesn't exist like in other counties. And it's not that they don't have good footballers, but if you don't have like a strong meritocracy, if you don't have people pushing, wanting to take your position, people get lazy. They get complacent. Like they don't push themselves to the limit. But like, you know, and, and that's the thing that like I loved about Kerry. Fellas put on the, the green and gold. Like, there was a lot of players that mightn't have been as good. Without it, but the, but the drive behind it, the, the legacy that was attached to it, the the expectation and responsibility you took when you put that jersey on was different with you. And we had to try and build that up like an armor. And we had to have people pushing like, and fighting for those positions. And it took us a couple of years. Like, you know, Brian McLinden, Brian Canavan done a great job of pushing us hard because like, they've been very friendly with like Lex Pawdy and you know John O'Leary and other like Larry Tompkins and like they would have pushed us really really hard like harder than we've ever been pushed and yeah. um, and they, they just built a team and then Joe and, and Paul came in like and, and really put the icing on the cake like you know, Joe also had that sort of expectation like you know he, like he, was, he was a winner and Paul was very he wanted to, you, you'd like Grimmy like he, there, was, there was no messing with him like you didn't have to you didn't have to ask him twice where you stood with him like you know so it was, it was a great <laughs> like so and that that's where it came from and that's where it pushed on like but um but then like you know there's, there's always sort of more could have been done but like, you know that's where that's where the, I suppose the change came from was around 92 
and those four or five players coming on that have an expectation of winning. Yeah, the, the your team, Kieran, and it was the battles you had with Tyrone, right? And they were absolutely you had to come down and, and you were filling Crow Park for Ulster finals, all that. But the team he had, like the McNulty's and Aidan O'Rourke, and you had Benny and Gold, you had McGrain out around the middle, you had you inside in the middle holding it all. But the forwards you had, Jesus Christ, the forwards you had, right? You had Clark going well, you had McDonald coming brilliantly compared to 2000, even to 2002. He, I thought he was a different player in 2002. He had a confidence that he didn't have in 2000. Uh, Oshin, obviously. Um, like I'd say the training sessions, you obviously mapped each other. They were as good as forwards as you had. The McEntees were there, obviously, as well. Like the forwards you had. Like, can I just ask you, your philosophy, and I think it's your philosophy still. Get the ball to the fucking danger, man, as quick as you can. Well, on the, on the, the, that. the role in any team is key. Unfortunately, in sport, all the people in the inside lane is going to get the glory. But they're all going to hit this year, but they're very rarely your best footballers. They're very one-dimensional. They finish. So they are, but your main footballers, and like, it's not like people don't take this as me saying it about myself, but are, are mainly between 5 and 12. That's the way it used to be. It's changed now because everybody can play everywhere at the minute. But that's where your driving force, that's where your engine was. Like, and we had some great players like in there. Like, you know, we had McGrain and John Toll, which were a great partnership. Like, and John would have been as hard as nails. Like, and, you know, he, he was there, like, you know, and, and he worked in partnership. But he, he worked to, to, to work with McGrain, you John McEntee and Paddy McKee. Paddy McKee was probably the best young player that ever put on an Armagh jersey. And then you'd Ashley McConnell on the other side of him. And then in our half-back lane, you'd, between Andy McCann, myself, Aidan Rourke, and um, uh, Kieran Cuse, like any three of the four of us. Like, so like, it, was a, it was very aggressive, you know, but like, at that stage, that's where the turnover was coming in the game. It was becoming more mobile. But like, I suppose that's why I always enjoyed playing Kerry. Kerry played that game. And... I always liked, you know, like my dad said at the wedding, like, you know, that like he hoped that like they wouldn't myself and more we had kids. Like it's got a wee bit of the arm off there and, and a wee bit of the carry. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be good. And I, I would slag the boys. The toughest team I've ever played against is yourselves. The most aggressive. People take that as a as a derogatory statement. And it's not. But that's why I love playing it. Like, like, uh, against the top teams, there's never a quarter asked nor given. You know, it, it's just total, total stuff. And like our games in 2000, the two semi-finals and that went extra time were probably the two hardest physical games I played outside of an Aussie Rules game in Galway. It was just incessant hitting. Tyrone brought a different game into it. They were far more mobile. You know, with the, that physical confrontation wasn't as strong with them. But with yourselves, like in... Even when we played in 2006 or seven, like, like even the game had started to change then. We still wanted to take each other on physically. Yeah, it was that, yeah. uh, and I, I love that type of game. A slag is about it, but I thought that was the way football should be played. You know, it's changed now, like and, and things like that. Like, and it's a better game now. But I suppose I liked it because like, I felt that I could exist in that game. Like, but then, um, so you know, like around that time, those games, like you know, like, were to me were the, the ultimate, like, like the, the peak of of, of what. Like, like our team was about like in fact I think probably at that stage like we were we were extremely strong in 2000 like those two games against yourselves like I would always find that we were a wee bit unlucky it's funny when I'm talking to you about talking with John Bannon he's always giving out about him because of the, the 2000 <laughs> I'm always giving out about him because of the 2000 he gave us a free kick 
I don't know if you remember in the the field scored and the Ashton Campbell actually passed me the ball and scored the point to put us at the point ahead. Like we were three minutes into injury time. And um, you know, as McConnell said to me afterwards, he says, If I had a scene with you, McKinney, you would never have got it. <laughs> and <laughs> we thought we had it. And uh, I, I don't know who it was, but the feeling maybe coming out with the ball and McQueen went to block him. And like, you know, it was like, especially for that game, like, you know, it was minimal contact at best. But John gave a free kick where the ball landed, not, not only where it, like, where it rolled to yeah, it, <laughs> tapped it over, like, we, we, we got it. Like, and then the replay again was another titanic battle. Like, you know, it went extra time, like, and he just pulled away from it. Like, a, um, but like, I would look back at those two games as probably, you know, like, a, a mean amount about like, like, my own game and like, like, as, like we were, like, we were at our, you know, nearly our, our apex there. Like, they were, they were titanic games. Like, and, like, you had some team at the time, too. Like, like, Johnny Crowley was one of the best forwards I've ever seen. Oh, now, you know, he had a small window. I hope he doesn't mind me saying that, probably because he got a wee bit heavier. But when he was at full screen, you could not stop that man. Like, he was, he was, he was not there. And you had Mike Frank beside him. You had Canelli, you had Garrett. Canada, like, was, was one of the smallest full forwards like, I've ever seen. Like, but they were, they were strong men. Like, outside of them... Um, you know, probably Mike Frank, who was like I thought he was a very gifted forward. Like he, he could just slip inside and he could finish when it counts. And then you said Morris Brooks coming on like as a sub. And you know, it's funny like uh, people would look back at, at Morris Brooks and think he was soft. You know, he was just this nice sort of player. Like and I tell you what, he, he was far from soft. <laughs> he was a far. Um, you know, a good story about him was remember we we went down to play in a challenge game in, in two thousand that year, and before we played yeah. the championship. And Paddy had warned McAlinden um, to come with his full team. Like, and uh, like we were actually short. Like, nearly all our forwards, the uh, crossbys couldn't make it that day. <clears throat> so we played yourselves, and you were giving us a lot of trimming. Like, um, we, we had no forwards. Like, you know, like say John Mack wasn't there, um, Paddy wasn't there, Stephen. I don't think he was injured at the time. Like, uh, and I think Morrison was injured, so, so we had not on that front. And you were giving us a bit of a a, a, a Like, and, and Paddy was roaring. And, I was as thick as a ditch, like I just couldn't stand this here. But he put Morris on, and next thing Morris came in, and he bumps into me, like, and we're at each other. And we're along the sideline, next thing Morris comes in, and he says, That's it, McGee. And he says, Fucking, and he says, Paul, he says, You give me a dig or two. He says, You picked me so we will. But like, at this point, I didn't give him everything I had, but he thought this was a bit of fun, like. Yeah, he was a, he was a tough man. She, she was an awful man to mark in training. Um, what was it? Do you know the. When I used to watch yourselves and Tyrone going at it, Kieran, and I'm not going to stay long in it, was there more? I know now that you're all there's there's no issues there now, but was there a bit of a hatred? There was a serious fucking like at the time when you were coming together. There was when you're like neighboring counties, um, it's always going to be, but it only happens. Like, it only gets worse when you're like at a level pagan. Like you, you can't really. To test somebody if you're better than them or they're not as good as you, you you know you feel sorry for them or they feel sorry for you whatever the case may be. But at that stage, we were like there wasn't much between us, you know. Um, they, they had like some team like, like to me, Canavan's probably the greatest footballer I've, I've ever come across. Like he's, he's an exceptional player. Like he, he can take it anyway and give it anyway. Like he, he's very smart too. But they had big men like Hub Hughes and like and Muggsy as well. Connor Gormley, like, you know, they were strong there in the middle, but then the mobility on the wings like, were, were very good too. 
Um, so like we, we had some real Barneys with them, but they were probably played, you know, it's hard to say, like just like when they came to the crunch, we were probably coming down a wee bit, like our main players, like, you know, McGrain and, and myself and stuff, like we were, like were there were coming at their peak. And even though like Peter might have, like, you know, was older than me, but like the main players coming through, like only Jordan, you know, Muggsy and that there, they were, they were much younger. So they were, probably had that bit of an edge on us, but I suppose like, you know, that 2005 All-Ireland semi-final will always look back. It was a real balancing act. Like, you know, if we had won that, like, went on playing yourselves, like, it's hard to know what would have happened. Like, but um, the was, was a good bite between us. But I, I would have a lot of time for a lot of those players. Um, there's some really good, right? Some of them now we wouldn't be giving hugs now, especially this COVID-19 restrictions and all that there. But, um, <laughs> We, you know, I don't send too many Christmas cards that way, but I don't get too many in return anyway. So, but I'll have good, good friends with them, like you know, um, I have a lot of time for Peter Solwood, you know, um, I think Monty's a good fella too, and Hub was he was a warrior, like yeah. you know, like those sorts of fellas. It was great to watch. Like I, I was interested, and I didn't know it, but towards the end, I remember when. Um, and you touched on it there. I think myself, and I'd agree with you. I think uh, the art of defending compared to the art of a corner forward or a scorer is unfairly, I won't say documented, but uh, like I think of Mike, our own fellas, even Mike McCarthy, Tom Sullivan, Shamo. I never seen a, a, a fella like Shamo to do what he did. But then I don't think Shamo got the same credit as other fellas up the field. But that's beside. But Shamo put himself the last year, and this is what I'm coming to. The last year before he actually went, which was in 2005, he had a poor year by his standards. And then he flipped it and he did ridiculous stuff during that winter. He came back in 2006. I think he finished up with an All-Star and he went off into the sunset. He retired. But I found it interesting. The year before, is this true now? Because it mightn't be. The year before you retired, you went off. Did you spend a bit of time in New Zealand with the with the All Blacks, with the, the 20 team? To, uh, that, was that yeah. with an aim to, to 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 finishing out the career or what? Yeah, two thousand and five. Well, that was just before I go back to Seamus. Seamus Mynan was one of the finest players that could ever put on a pair of boots. He was outstanding. Yeah. He like you know, and like as tough a man as you'll come across. Um, and I say that like with you know I've come across a fair few in the time, but not just like I'm not tough in the way that he was nasty, but just he was he was genuinely hard. hard. Yeah, yeah, but he was fantastic footballer. But to think that I'm probably, I would say, you know, one of the greatest defenders of the game finishes with two all stars, yeah, is freaking just crazy, yeah, in my head. Yeah. You know, and not only that, like he played like Seamus's natural position was wing back, he was a great attacking player, too. He'd be a bit like yourself, he'd break the lines, you know, he when he, when he was needed. He was the man coming through the middle to break that defence down to, to, to set other people up. Like he might take the odd score himself, but he moved back into probably the most unforgiving position at that stage. Like we just fall back and, and did a great. Like you know, those times like you know we struggled with it, and those times that he didn't. But like like you know yourself, you put a half back in the full back. He has to be an exception to be able to do well because a half back is used to breaking forward, not man market. And Seamus talked to it like a duck to water, like, you know, and um, I, I thought he was an outstanding player and never got the credit that he, he should have got. In fact, I would say he's probably one of Kerry's greatest ever players. But that, that's a that side. Like, um, 
Yeah, um, I went to with 2004 October. I went over to New Zealand. Um, uh, the girl was going out at the time. She was asked to do a, a, what do you call it, like uh, the strength and conditioning for one of the academies over uh, in New Zealand. So, like I decided, like I was coming over. It was then. I was 33. Was it? Yeah, 33. Uh, coming 34. So I said. I wanted to get a wee bit like in better shape, so I went over and um, stayed there. Like I talked to Joe about it, no problem. So I stayed there October, November, December, and January. Came back at the end of January, and I probably came back in the shape of my life. Like I was fantastic. I just got to train with them the whole time. Like and uh, I got down for two weeks at the Crusaders as well. Maybe three weeks it was. We went down to the Crusaders. Uh, they, they took the academy players down there for a time. Like and, and got them sort of like to try to get them. Um, you know, connected to like, some of the older players and stuff, but you know, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was a good time, like, I'm, I'm glad I've done it. Was it the culture? Was it the culture of the actual physical training that, that <laughs> left the mark on you? No, it was, it was probably their humility, if, if I have yeah. to say anything, because like, like a lot of those fellas were still working. It's not like the academy nowadays, like, you know, where those fellas were still on site, a lot of them. They were in there in the morning, half six, doing the weights and like um, to do some like, yoga stretching, and then like they'd, they'd go on to sites and a lot of them come back in the evening and there were skills at five o'clock, and then they do maybe some like uh, endurance and stamina work after. Like it, uh, like, but it was I would have to say for the majority of them it was their humility, and um, even when we went to the Crusaders, um, there was one particular player like he was like, to say he was fast would be an understatement. And like a scene, like the way that like, the, the all blacks probably think. I was just standing there watching because I obviously couldn't take part like in the rugby out there. But he skinned one of the fellas on on, on the wing. Like but the one device, like his skin was an all black. But on the way back, I just sort of rubbed him on the head. And I remember speaking to the coach afterwards, and like, basically he was saying, "That's the end of that boy." Like they don't take stuff like that. Like you know, well, it's, uh, you know. That whole sort of thing, like all black, or better people make better all blacks. Or if you look at their own sort of line, like all blacks don't do dickheads. Like you, you could see that permeating through like the culture. Like as crusaders, like I'm saying, got a, like a snapshot of it for those couple of weeks. But that, that's the one thing that, like to me, is always paramount in any team is that the jersey comes first. And when the jersey is big, like it is in Kerry, like it is in Cross McGlen, like it is in Kilkenny, like it is in Dublin now, when the jersey's big. The individual is never bigger, but it's in the smaller teams that are trying to make the breakthroughs that have maybe some superstars, and that superstars becomes bigger than the jersey. You win nothing. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. I was, I, I Jesus Christ, I could talk to you all day. I, I have a couple of more questions, Kieran. The the MMA, right? Was that to, to get a better grip on on Gooch and Declan Sullivan going through the middle, or or was that <laughs> what was the thinking behind it? It'd be a better to get a better grip on Galvin, like you know. Uh, <laughs> Galvin would be very suited to it, I reckon. <laughs> very suited to it. Hard, hard to say that all the tough way, but you need discipline. You, you think you don't, but you, you do. Like yeah. it's, it's not that Paul wouldn't be disciplined, but I think he'd enjoy it because I think he'd enjoy the people in it. There's yeah. a strong camaraderie, like in jiu-jitsu and, and MMA and stuff, like, which goes way beyond what people would sort of think. 
again, like it's, it's you know, the assumptions of mindless thugs and things like that there like are very far removed from the actual people who are involved in it. But um, no, like to be honest, like when I took over Kildare, like I, I was fairly honest with them with the the opinion of them, like and the white jersey and everything else, like it, you know, would be one of sort of softness. And I, I just decided like I would do something in pre-season, like you know yourself, like in pre-season, like for most athletes, the gym bores the ass of you. And like, despite what people think of me, like I, I hate it. Like you know, it's just it's not something you want to be left pieces of metal. So like having a wee bit of something different, you know, that's you don't mind going to training when you're enjoying it. You have to love it. Like you know, that's what I say to people. Like people come to me and say, oh, "I'm not enjoying it anymore." Can I go listen? Go home then. Like honestly, and, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I mean like if it's not if it's not in your heart, like you know, don't come to it. Like it doesn't. It's not. One of your amateurs and anything else. If it's not there, like, don't do it. Like you know, it's. I, I think it's an honor. But anyway, we went and I, I decided like um, I wanted to do a wee bit of martial arts. Like I always had a, a thing for it, like, but I never could do it when I was playing. But I, I done a wee bit of research on it. Like, and I found out that Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu was supposed to be the most effective form of martial arts that there was. So <clears throat> I got a number from. <clears throat> Friend with John Cavanaugh, so I rang him up and I was actually speaking to his sister Anne, like I'm saying, I was looking to do a couple of sessions, but I didn't know it at the time. But John was standing beside Anne and I was looking to do a couple of privates, and John doesn't like doing privates, so I, whatever she was saying, like, you know, whatever to say was 40 or 50 pounds for the private, John was saying, right, tell him it's 100 or 150, like, and <laughs> no problem. So what I went and uh, what do you call it, like, I met up with John and done a couple of private sessions together, like, and I loved it, like, I thought like, I could see a lot of things, you know, in it that probably other people wouldn't see. Like, thinking under pressure would be the big thing. Like, when somebody's trying to kill you, there's always a way out. When somebody's trying to kill you, like, it, it doesn't always seem apparent. <clears throat> and to me, like, in Gaelic football, it's one of the biggest skills is the people who are calm when everybody else is, is losing their head like that last minute knowing what to do like the, the person taking the pass like and doing what he has to do like you know and i suppose that's where like you have so much time for gooch you know like you know in terms of what he was able to do like and we would do the same with like likes of mcconville and mars and now it's like likes of grouping and, and o'neill's and like, like you know those people who can, who can think under pressure like are key to, to winning like so we done that, like, and uh, I remember taking the Kildare boys to it. Like, and, and Connor hadn't made it at that stage. Like, you know, we, we wouldn't be in the name, and we were doing some. So, at the end of it, like, um, John says that <coughs> at the end of each session, John would say, "Wouldn't any of the boys like to go into the cage?" Because we were doing mainly wrestling and pad work. Like, you know, we weren't really sort of fighting each other. Like, but we just had to be careful with injuries. Uh, I says, "I shall see it. See who wants to, to pop in." Like, so Connor actually stood in the cage. I mean. Was it Morgan Flaherty and, and Daryl Flynn? Like, in with them? Like, remember, <laughs> Daryl's going to hit me for this, but remember Daryl being in the cage. And, uh, you know, like, Daryl wouldn't be like a, a natural scrapper. Like, but, uh, like, he was just going at Connor, like, you know, with the hands going. Like, and Connor was going, you know, these wee jabs that I'm saying is, is this fight for real? But like, Daryl was a, a very courageous fella. Like, he, he, we know back doors and Like, but it was funny. Like, we got more out of the crack with it than we did with the, the training. Yeah. So, yeah. like, you know, the guys and, and, you know, just the domestic about, like, we've done a white collar box and things like shortly afterwards and the slagging that comes with stuff like that. Like, you know, people don't see that on the outside, like, they think it's all oh, like it's back. But, like, even like the, the night we done the white collar box and, like, we had Trevor Brennan up and, uh, you know, we had, a, we had a good couple of uh, parents, but 
you know, the slagging before, even like we were all up in a different room, like before we led on to the into the ring. Like, and, you know, I, I had to fight that night as well. Like, but the slagging was just unreal. Like, you know, like it, it, it was working. So it was like some of the stuff, and then you know, the I suppose the afterwards, like if you could beat her, if you won, like the slagging afterwards, and that's what those sorts of things do. Like, it looks to the outside, like you know, just to be a boxing match or a messing about, because I got to do with sport, but. It, it, the actual the thing itself was irrelevant. Like you know, even the MMA or the, the white collar, they're all irrelevant. It's the crack the players have. It's something different. You know, a bit of fun, a couple of drinks, messing about. You know, you know yourself. That that's that's what makes a thing. Like, yeah, the, the connection you have. I I was, I don't have time to go down the road of the management with you, Kieran. But what what I know, and you touched on it there, the parts of it that you don't really enjoy, and the parts of it with the, you know, the constant having to deal with with issues that are outside of your control. What gives you the most enjoyment? What gives you the best kick of it when you're involved in training? And you had it with Kildare. You obviously have a great bond with the lads because Kildare, even though it, it finished in a way you probably didn't want it to, the players still wanted you there. Um, you obviously have it with the the Amalas. I've never heard a fella saying the bad. What, what what gives you the best kick about managing a team? The one thing you know about management, you even look at like your own uncle Paddy, like he would have given his, you know, like it's like he he, he was the ultimate carry man, like, and you still end up getting abuse. So like it, it doesn't matter what you do in management. Like Jim Gavin's probably one of the few people. Like I see it with Mickey Hart too. Like three All Irelands, like three national leagues, people still give out of it. And I'm there going, oh, like, what planet did it be on? Like you know, so it's it's you just you accept that as part of management. But like, I suppose the biggest kick for me is seeing players realise their potential. Like it was one of the things that I used to love about Aussie rules or the provincial game. But when you actually go and play with these people from the bigger teams, the first thing that you notice is nobody's that much different than anybody else. You know, the, the, the difference between the very best and, and the next is small. Like, as I'm saying, culture, like in Jersey and all that has a lot to do with it. So I suppose the biggest kick that I get out of, of, of coaching, like, young players is, is actually getting to get them to realize how good they are and what they can do and to be able to be able to map that out like, like we all have bumps in our lives so we do like you know we only see the forefront like, but, like you know when you, when you close the door at night time like and we all have issues we all have problems going on we all have things in our lives that like you know that that are hard to get over but and i'm not saying sport prepares you for that like in, in a brilliant way but it definitely gives you a set of skills that allows you to, to wade through those weeds and get over those bumps. Like, it, you know, because sometimes you just, resilience is, a stuff, is something that you need in life. And friends is, is, is the thing that comes with that. And like, I say, we all have those. So like, I love being able to like, transfer that over to fellas and sort of get them to understand that, like, um, first of all, there's some balance in life that's needed and that they're lucky that their loved ones allow them to do what they do. I try to convince them that, like, that all of this shit that they hear in the papers about like the chore and the, the thing about like, representing the county, that it's an honour. And just because it's an amateur sport, like like most sports are amateur out there, like you know, like Olympians, everything. Like, it's not that. It's, it's giving yourself to something bigger than, than who you are as an individual like, and, and giving your lot to it and not being afraid to give your lot like, and, and being measured as that person, like being measured as that man like, that goes out and gives and is not afraid to fail because like, you're going to do that a lot in life. In family life, like in 
then you know like in your work life and stuff like that but like not being afraid to give it like your lap like and, and seeing what happens at the other end of it and then probably the last thing like, like showing them the connections and support are important and the friends that they have now that the memories that they're going to make are going to last them a lifetime you know, like, you know we, we still talk about the cracks and like most of the stories yeah. you could talk about like we won't be talking about labor on air but it's, those sorts of things are massive in your life so, like you carry them with you the whole time and it's true that like, we all want to do well we all want to make you know money and we all want to have good jobs but you know to me like, people say would you swap it over again not a chance not a chance would I like, like the memories I have like you know and the, the friends that are made and the battles and like they've lost and won but I wouldn't change it not a second of it not one second would I change like it, it was brilliant you know it's it's yeah. they're the sorts of things that, that you just can't buy yeah I, I the um fuck it there was more I wanted to go in but you know I'll have to save that for another time when I meet up with you the, the finally the the championship this year Kieran, right? And I'm not even going to ask you about, about Armagh, but I'm looking forward to the Ulster because you'll have, you'll probably have a um, knockout and you'll have Tyrone and Donegal going at each other and then you have Armagh waiting for them and Christ almighty, like you're going to have, I'm looking forward to Ross Common and um, uh, Mayo, I'm looking forward to Kerry and Cork, not looking forward to Leinster at all, but those games will, will be good coming up. You're looking forward, can I ask you, are you worried in any way? I'm looking at the golf. I'm looking at Grant McDowell now after pulling out because his caddy got the, the virus. And then all the shite, poor Conor McKenna had to go through outside in Australia and it wasn't a, a positive. Are you worried that if an amateur team like us who are going working or whatever, if one of us gets it, does it fit yeah. for everybody else? It, it is. A, it's a tough one. and um, it's, it's always hard to know. But one thing that I would sort of say is like, like life has to go on in some some way or form, you know, and it's hard to keep that locked down. Like we, we've tried to do our best, and um, I think we, we still need, like, and times have definitely changed, and we still need to be aware. Um, and it's going to be difficult, but it's, I don't know, like, if um, stopping life completely is, is something that we can do. I just don't know if it's something like, that, like, is doable. Like, it's, we haven't seen the full fallout of, of what has happened. And I, I don't mean economically, I mean like, you know, from a, a psychological point of view and, and, and even the world that our kids are going to grow up on. Like, you know, like every time like Lee and I go out of the house, I came like coming back and like getting them to what do you call it? Like, you know, wash them down with like the antibacterial stuff. Like, you know, they need bacteria, they need their immune system to be able to grow too. Like, and, um, so I don't really know to ask. Like it's hard to say. Like we could get a second wave of it. Like, but I think life is going to go on. I think the, the GE is central to who we are as Irish people. Like and I think it's part of our life. And to me, I just hope it gets bigger and I hope it gets better. And you know, and I hope it continues to grow like in the way that it has. Uh, the only thing I think they need to do is to make some hard decisions. Uh, I don't think the county is the bad thing that everybody makes it out to be. And whatever they make out of a county manager, that's it. But like. County football and county hurlings are a window. Like it's, it's that's what the kids fall in love with. Like a you know, our club is the cornerstone. It's the foundations in which we're built, and like you, you can never take away from the importance of that. But don't knock what's good. Like we're an awful shower for knocking each other. Like you know, like we're the same. You know, like it's yeah. like we're all the same. Like and we have this constant sort of barrage of knocking each other. 
talk about money and everything else, like, you know, as if it's bad for awfully to want to white collar, like, you know, to get up for Dublin. Is it? They never will, but because they don't have the population and the sort of drive and, like, and the money behind them, you know what I mean? Like, that's the power. But, Stop knocking each other for wanting to do well. Like, yeah, like we have to control things. I understand that. And we have to get get better like, and, and more sort of aware of what's being done. But this constant knocking of each other and having goals at each other, like it just it would depress you. <laughs> I know it's freaking, but it's always the way we are in the GA, like we spoke about it there. <clears throat> what was I going to say here? And I'm going to leave you at that. But I. Can't wait to see you. Um, uh, I've been a fierce fan of yours for a long time and the way you play football and your general attitude. Um, I'm looking forward to the championship. I think a lot of people are down and they're giving out about club and county and here we are. We're going to have club. We're going to have county. Let's enjoy the bloody thing. Um, and hopefully... The one last question, yes or no, because everybody said you were mad training and all this and... Um, just before I finish, no, I just want to tell everybody that the podcast version of this is coming out next week. I'm not a great man for technology and all that, but it will be sorted for next week. So on all these will be available on it. You were, they said, uh, this is only a yes, no answer. Is it true that you always have three or four desserts when you sit down after a, a dinner that you had a fierce sweet too, but that you'd have it worked off you by the end of the night? Um, <laughs> I would put it this here. Anybody out there who's still looking at I can eat, I'll challenge anybody to eat desserts. I can eat more than anybody, so called. But um, I'm, I'm getting, I'm 49 this year, and like, I'm getting to that stage, like where I, I can't train the way I used to. Um, but like, I, I've, I, I still train. Like, like, obviously with my shoulder gone, like I don't train uh, at the minute. But I'll be back in September to full contact. Like, but um, would you take part I, with the boys in training? I wouldn't join in football anymore. Um, I'd done that for a couple of months with Kildare at the start. <laughs> and then he comes over to me and he just says, listen, boys, you need to pull back a bit. You're not going to make much friends with that. But like, like you're too old. Like, the mind's always willing to moss, but the body gets weak. Um, and I could still be a lot of them on the mats and stuff like that. Like, and uh, now there'd be a few sort of crazy figures that you wouldn't want to, what do you call it, like um, mess with. But uh, I'd, I'd still... I can still train to a high level, like, and I love that. Like, and it gives me empathy with them. Like, so I have a few that like might tell me like that I don't know what it's like, you know. So I'm always able to take them away and show them that I do. Like, but um, I couldn't compete with those fellas. Like, the game has moved on so much. Like, it's uh, like we have some fantastic players, some big boys. Actually, look at Ray O'Neill coming in. Like, at six three, six four. He's only a child, like at twenty one. Like, and he's <coughs> he's him in the gym. Like, and he's only beginning to develop, and I just go and like, yeah. It's a, different, it's a different kettle of fish. Yeah. Um, thanks a million. Regards to the family, regards to and the kids. And I come across you somewhere else and enjoy the enjoy the championship. I wish you all the best. And thanks a million for coming on. No problem, Thomas. Good man. Thanks a lot. All right. Good luck. Right, good luck. Thanks for listening to Coral Thomas. Don't forget to subscribe and follow for more interviews.